in the not too distant future. Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to the last comic shop. Greetings from the future! Where this week we've overshot the time stream a little bit. We've gone all the way back to the 1940s. Oh my gosh! Wow, this is gonna be great! We can get ration stamps. I don't know. We may need soon anyway, so it's nice to see how that stuff works. I know, right? Brought to you by Kellogg's Pep. <laughs> it's amazing how they were trying to sell that cereal, too. They're like, it was a cereal filled with sunshine and lots of sugar. So we call it Pep. Where were they selling that cereal, Andy? That's right. They were selling it on the old Superman radio program, which is the basis of today's book here on The Last Comic Shop. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, and welcome back to this week's broadcast. I'm joined with by my co-host, as always, Chad Smith. And as I said, Chad, we are definitely doing a Superman book on, on this week's show, right? That's Absolutely. Now, I may have fudged the numbers slightly. This book came out last year. It's called Superman Smashes the Clan by Gene Lun Yang. And Guruhuru, Guruhiru, I hope I'm pronouncing that the right way. No okay. offense. Guruhiru. Guruhiru? I would say, yeah, Guruhiru. There you go. And the guy that we always keep on our show to make sure that we've got our pronunciations right is my other co-host, J.A. Scott. Now, J.A., when it comes to the uh, Man of Steel, that uh, you always have been a, a huge John Byrne fan. Like, that's that's your definitive uh, Superman, and you had a good story about why that's your definitive Superman? Yes, and it has nothing to do with comic books. It has to do with wrapping paper, <laughs> in fact. Uh, Growing up, my grandmother had a big toy box in her house so that when you go over, you could play with, you know, the toys that she had there. And the box was wrapped in John Byrne Superman wrapping paper. And she must have had rolls and rolls of this stuff because I distinctly remember we were going, uh, taking a trip abroad. And my mom wanted to make sure that she could distinguish her suitcase from everybody else's suitcase in the carousel. She took this wrapping paper, cut out Superman's cape, and taped it to the side of the suitcase so that when the suitcase came down the carousel, she could instantly spot it because it was the only one that would have Superman's cape taped to the side of it. So from that day on, I've uh, I've been a big John Byrne Superman fan. I'm sure that your mom actually still has that, that piece of luggage up in her attic. And it's probably still got that cape right there on the side. Mm. But um, speaking of John Byrne, you're not the only fan of John Byrne's uh, Superman on this particular program. Uh, my other co-host, Chad, he has an interesting story about a John Byrne journey he's taking or has been trying to take over the last couple of years. You want to unpack that, buddy? Yeah, and I, I don't know if this is interesting. <laughs> I'll tell it anyway. But, uh, but no, so... I started reading comic books back with the Batman movie in 1989. That's when I made my big transition. So I missed the John Byrne Superman Crisis reboot. 
And so fast forward a couple years later, I'd read an issue here, issue there. I finally decided John Byrne's art is beautiful. I'm going to pick up the run. And so for the last two years, I've been fairly fortunate. The run is pretty undervalued. I've been finding issues in dollar bins. And I started off just with the regular Superman series, which one issue to go. That's priced between six and nine dollars, and I'm like, ah, I'll go as high as 75, 80 cents, maybe. But yeah, and then they bleed into the subtitles at the time. Like, not only was he doing Superman, but he was also doing action comics with Dick Giordano on inks a lot of the times. Um, and then they also, uh, halfway through the run, he started picking up the writing chores on Adventures of Superman. Okay. So there's a ton of stuff out there that I've been picking up, and then this week we're getting ready for the show, and we're talking about stories. And J.A. is like, you know what Superman book you should do is this one with Big Barda. And I said, thanks a lot, pal. I have like 200 issues of this stupid John Byrne run. He picks one of the four that I don't have. <laughs> but it's a good issue. Isn't that the issue where Superman, what, it's almost like Superman becomes a porn star or something? I don't know. I never read it. <laughs> But that's like kind of the stuff that John Byrne would do back in the day. Like, I, like that was I, I know as a kid. Like, I'm a huge, huge John Barron fan myself, and and it's it's amazing that people don't think of the John Byrne Superman as much as they think about his other work. Like, I'll go to cons and I'll talk to other comic book fans that know about John Byrne. They'll say John Byrne's X Men. They'll sometimes say John Byrne's Fantastic Four. Sometimes they'll even say Alpha Flight. I don't know why they throw they throw that yeah. one in there, but they do. They they there's like those those sometimes fans that say yeah what about Man of Steel and I'm like yes what about Man of Steel because that was great that was super super good but uh, I do remember that particular Big Barda Superman issue where the I, I think they're smooching on the cover or something yeah and we'll talk about the X Men run his X Men run is great I've read that I know what we're talking about there I don't like not knowing what the heck we're talking about. <laughs> What about what about his sensational She-Hulk? J.A. She loved that sensational She-Hulk book with the strategic staple placement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but John Byrne stuff is wonderful. But we're not talking about John Byrne for the rest of the show. We're talking about Superman specifically, and a fantastic book that features Superman here on the Last Comic Shop. And we will be right back with more of that particular book right after these messages. It was the three-legged dog of comics. It was bad. These two gentlemen met in jail, and then when they got out, they started publishing. It should have been mobsters instead of doing what they do in comics. Management there was questionable at times. Some of it has to do with people who go to jail. We are sinners. We have corrupted the youth. Stuff that should never have been sold to kids. And then there was Charlton. I couldn't quite tell what they were doing. Charlton was just a hodgepodge of weird titles. What is this? Who am I dealing with? John threw nickels around like they were manhole covers. C.A. T-A-P. They were cheap. Hell yes, they're cheap. They were a special kind of special is what they were. Critic was horrible. You could smell them beginning to decay even as they were rolling off the press. At one point, they actually did have to move the comics operation into a bowling alley. It's something out of a sitcom. We want to publish comic books in the worst way, and they did. It's been called the street fighting cousin of Marvel and DC. Maybe you've heard of them. Probably not. But you do know the industry legends that called it home. This is Charlton Comics. Follow at charltonmovie.com. Oh, it's going to suck. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. And on today's program, we've got a comic book review for you featuring the Man of Steel that may uh, be set in the late 1940s, but actually is 
fairly recent as uh, it uh, started, I believe, at the tail end of 2019 and wrapped up here in the uh, last year in 2020. It is Superman Smashes the Clan. And I think it is a book that I have been wanting to read for quite some time. Uh, Chad has been kind of itching, going, oh, you got to read this book. It's really, really good. And so we finally decided to do it on today's program. But Chad, who wrote and drew uh, this fantastic book? So, okay, it's written by uh, Gene Lunyang, who you might be familiar with his name from uh, his works, American Born Chinese where he uh, garnered a lot of acclaim. He's now the writer on Marvel Shang-Chi. He did the new Superman uh, a few years back. And uh, he wrote a book last year that I, I still want to track down. It's about basketball, like a basketball team. He followed a basketball team for, for a while and told their story. But it's supposed to be really great. And then Guruhuru, which is a team of two ladies that... Uh, got the attention of Marvel Comics around 2005, 2006, and they've been publishing work uh, ever since. And they they do a style that's kind of like a cross between a manga and uh, like a more kid-friendly style. And for this particular book, they leaned into some of those Max Fleischer elements as well. And it yeah. really ends up being a really perfect blend. Absolutely not, and I and I couldn't say enough really great things about the art. Just real quickly, I mean, again, the fact that they nailed that Max Flesher look, it made the book for me. Now, uh, speaking of the uh, ten cent synopsis here, Ja, why don't you uh, let us know how Superman really smashed the clan in this particular book? As we mentioned, it takes place in the 1940s. You're introduced to a family, the Lees. They're a Chinese-American family, immigrant family, who are moving into Metropolis, out of Chinatown, into the big city. And uh, they run into issues with the Klan and racism in their new neighborhood. And Superman comes along to help fight off this racist elements and ends up in a big fight to not only protect the Lees, but also helps himself discover who he is and that he is also a bit of an outsider and why that should be celebrated instead of feared. As we said, uh, to pull out of the 10 cent synopsis, this, this three issue run is heavily based on an old radio play from the 1940s. Right. Absolutely. And in fact, if, uh, if we've got any folks out there that have ever read the book Freakonomics, uh, there's actually a section of Freakonomics that talks about this particular radio program of uh, of Superman, which ultimately came out at the time the Klan was starting to, to gain ground in the decades after uh, Birth of a Nation, and ultimately, in kind of uh, an interesting way, kind of uh, demystify their rituals and like their handshakes and all that other stuff. It chipped away at their mystique. So the, the radio yeah. was 16 episode radio series that came out in June of 1946. And it instrumental in sort of demystifying the clan and showing them for what they are, which is a bunch of uh, racist country bigots. bumpkins, mocked bigots, trivialize them. Uh, the, the radio show, by the way, you can find it on YouTube and various other places if you want to listen to it. It's the Clan of the Fiery Cross, because they didn't yeah. have the rights to say Ku Klux Klan, so they, they renamed the clan. The and they had to change Fiery Cross. Cross to KFK instead of KFC because, you know, 
chicken people would have been offended. <laughs> you know, the story itself is super fascinating, and I've seen it. I, I can't remember if I saw it first through the freak, uh, Freakonomics or if it was. There's a blog called uh, The Comic Book Legends Revealed. I know uh, Brian Cronin there had done a story on this. And then even on Drunk History, I've seen it uh, portrayed. But there's this dude whose name was Setson Kennedy, and he infiltrated the Klan and found out all their secrets. And then what did he do with it? Instead of taking it to the police, because as, as demonstrated in this book, there were police that were, you know, part of the Klan. Instead of it taking taking it to, you know, straight to the FBI, he went to the people that make the Superman radio show. Right. And so after it showed up in the Superman radio show, it, it was a cultural thing instead of a police action. And that now the people that were in the Klan, their kids were making fun of them. Their kids yeah. who listened to Superman... You know, we're mocking their secret handshakes. They were mocking, you know, the things they did to be part of the secret society. And it really just it chipped away culturally as opposed to changing people's minds, you know, through force, which I, I thought was fascinating. Right. Radio show is brought to you by Pep. P-E-P, Pep. That's right. That's right. And if you ever do get to listen to the radio show, I mean, again, I've, I've, I was a guy that grew up listening to a lot of these old-time radio shows. My dad was a child of that generation. So, like, these were the things that he listened to on the radio, whether it was the shadow or the green Hornet or the Superman uh, radio program. So when I was younger, he would he kind of shared these things with me. And I, I remember uh, not listening to this particular episode, but listening to other episodes of Superman. And it's amazing how uh, popular that's that Superman uh, radio program was, how influential it ultimately was on the total mythology of Superman. Before the Superman uh, uh, radio program, you didn't have things like the Daily Planet. You didn't have characters like Perry White or Jimmy Olsen or, uh, you know, all of those supporting characters that we know and love. Uh, you know, we always c- credit uh, the Max Fletcher cartoons for actually giving uh, Superman the ability to fly as opposed to jump. But um, ultimately, there's so many things that come out of this radio program. So it's amazing that even now, like almost a century after it's been released, like, you know, 80 years or whatever, it's still influencing fantastic comic looks like the one we're going to review today. Now, Chad, say, here we go. My commentary on the radio program. I, I listened to a good chunk of it. So much of Jimmy Olsen playing baseball. You think <laughs> Superman would be in there a lot more, but it's a lot of Jimmy playing ball. Well, I, I will you, say you that... Gotta really, you got to really know the nuance of baseball to get this. I mean, you remember baseball back in the 40s was like the national pastime. I reckon that the guy who got beamed in the head was asking for it. He's crowd the plate. That's good inside pitching. That's right. But I will say that that's one of the things. If you ever do go find the radio program, it, be be kind of ready to kind of sit for some long things of dialogue. Because honestly, it, it's all those the radio shows. That's all they really could do. I mean, they didn't have a lot of time for the action. Like if you listen to the old Green Hornets, like he's it's everything going on at the the Daily Sentinel, and then he puts on the Green Hornet stuff for like the last ten minutes. But it's mostly talking between goons and. And the gun malls and all that stuff. like, And that's the same thing with the Superman show. I mean, let's, so... Let's, let's drive to the action and talk while we drive. So that's right. minutes <laughs> So I'm actually glad that this comic book exists. This is kind of a way of making something even more digestible 
uh, for the masses than even the uh, the radio show that might some people might not listen to anymore. So again, kudos to the folks that said, yeah, let's do the Superman versus the Clan or Smashes the Clan uh, comic book. Uh, because again, it, it's it's kind of like making the movie version of a comic book. It's making the comic book version of a radio show. Anyways, let's get to initial thoughts, and we're going to start with Chad because it was his pick. I know you told me why I should read this book, but tell our listeners why they should read this book. Well, so this is it's something that's interesting to me because this comes out of the the DC initiative in the past few years to target young adults, and I honestly think this is like the best example of what they can do for that market because they're taking a story that has historical significance when you factor in the radio program and its influence they're taking a story where the morality behind it and teaching people those lessons about acceptance and the coming of age things that i'm sure we'll get into later on but it's not just the lees you know these kids these immigrants you know fighting for acceptance and understanding how to fit in it's superman learning how to fit in and it's it's just a wonderful story the way it's told is is clear and crisp and it's aimed at young adults but anybody could read this and anybody could love it it's so well done it was something where i had picked up the first issue at the at the shop and i'm like all right i'm gonna wait until this gets collected and oh my goodness the wait was so long you know because I figured this is something I'm going to want to share with people, and it's always easier to share whenever you have one graphic novel as opposed to just three single issues. But yeah, it's it's really great work. It's really exemplary of what DC can accomplish. They put the right people in the right places with the right stories. Right. J.A., your thoughts? When I started, I came into this cold. I didn't. It was in the box. This is what we're reading this week. I didn't know the history with the radio show that much. I mean, we had talked a bit about it, but I hadn't listened to the radio show. I didn't read any of the historical backgrounds before I started reading the book. So I started reading the book, and I have to admit, the first two or three pages, I was kind of turned off. I'm like, the story feels a bit simplistic. This is like a kid's book. Why are we reading a kid's book? And that lasted for like three pages. And by (laughs) page four, I was like, oh, my God, this is the best. This is I get it. I get everything that they're going for, and I love it. And from page four to the end, I couldn't put it down. Uh, One thing I really also liked was at the end of each issue, there was some historical context writing, not just uh, about the impact of the radio show and this story, but also the impact on the writer. And the writer told his story about his family coming over and sort of how his personal story meshed with this story that he had written, which also meshed with this, the radio play. And I really love those, those elements of it. Those sort of, after you read the chapter, you got these nice little historical notes, two or three pages. And that's when I think after issue one of the three issue run, I went back and read about the Freakonomics and read about, you know, listened to some of the radio play and read about the impact of the adventures of Superman on it. And I, with Chad, I think it's a great opener and the art is approachable. The dialogue is approachable. It's the perfect gateway for someone getting into comics. And the story is really wholesome and really good. And it, I think a lot of people, especially people who are like comics, sometimes feel like, well, is it okay to like comics? Because people don't 
think comics are cool and if i read comics well people think i'm dorky or i'm not cool if i do something that other people don't and this story addresses that addresses feeling like an outsider and how do you deal with that and how do you overcome it and it's okay to be different it's okay to fit in in different places and also you know being uh, the father of two children that come from two different cultures and that whole idea where you're speaking two different languages in the household and you're speaking one language to your parents and another language to your children that that uh, had a big impact on me as well yeah i'm going to jump in real quick and just say that for the large majority of superman stories i i find them very boring because i find superman a particularly boring character. I mean, what are you supposed to do with a character that can basically do anything? Like the, you know, we've often talked uh, about the fact that when you get into a Superman story, there's not really a lot of stakes. There's not really a lot of uh, uh, drama there because, again, at the end of the day, he might just punch whatever threat he has to, to death. And 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 but but with this particular book. And the other Superman stories that I have particularly liked, it's not about Superman's un- unlimited power. It's actually about Superman's unlimited humanity, which is kind of weird given that he comes from a different planet. But the fact that like in this book, you get this Superman that's super conflicted because when he was a young child, he was thought to be like, I don't know, a, a Satan spawn or something because he had he was able to levitate off the ground and his eyes got red when he got angry uh, when somebody was picking on one of his friends uh, he yeah, felt those like manifestations of his power right yes right. which uh, he was flying I believe we covered this right levitating off the ground equals flying yes we did Controlled. talk about that in a show you have yes. to hover that is how you have the ability if, if to you're fly. hovering you're flying exactly Otherwise, else you're is just, just a controlled fall <laughs> exactly and in this particular book he doesn't fly he he doesn't fly he doesn't use x-ray vision he doesn't use a lot of his power sets because he's afraid to he's afraid that if he does these things that he will look alien to those people that he loves that he will not be accepted for who he is and this is a really coming of age story for superman he, he, like he's he's in his I got to say maybe his 20s, late 20s, early 30s, it looks like, because he, he looks like he's a grown, a grown ass man uh, in this particular book. Uh, but at the end of the day, like he's still going through this thing where he doesn't know who his parents are other than the Kents. He doesn't know how powerful he is. And that is incredibly, incredibly engaging. What are your thoughts on that, guys? Well, I wanted to ask you, what was your take when you saw his hand turn green? Because when I when I first that first happened, I was kind of taken aback. Oh, when he's like, oh, I'm, I must be alien because I'm holding kryptonite, and I'm like, I. So he's like, he's not his hand doesn't turn green, but he's he's mentally picturing the fact that he's an alien, like he said he saw in his pulps. I, yeah. I thought that was visually the right representation. Because to your point, Chad, I was like, did kryptonite? change him do we have different rules here yeah, in this did he turn into a lizard man yeah yeah i i didn't get it at first i didn't get it in the moment when his hand turned green and then i got what they were doing when he looked in the mirror and then he saw his parents i'm like oh i get it he's 
shut this part of his life off because he's scared of it. He doesn't want to be alien. He doesn't want to be seen as the other. He just wants to be seen as a regular human who's just a little bit stronger and just a little bit faster, which is why he doesn't fly and he doesn't use uh, his heat ray and he doesn't use his x-ray vision. I like that it took sort of the interaction between him and the girl, Roberta Lee, where she's saying, you know, there's more to you than what you're showing. I know it. I can tell, like, I see in you me. And what I love about that is because that's what Superman is, and, and Batman and all these superheroes are meant to be. We're meant to see ourselves in them, right? And, and see parts of us in heroes, especially. And for her to say, I can see you in me and you are holding back. You're not, you're, you, you have not reached your full potential. I thought that was a nice switch because usually it's the hero that's telling the child, oh, you know, you, you need to not hold back or you need to let this go so that you can become better. But the child was telling the, the superhero to do that. Yeah, where she's like, I wish it were okay for you to fly. Like, how heartbreaking is that? Or like, she knows he can fly, and Superman has it in him that he knows he can fly. But it's not only that, it's the progression in this book. Even when they go to the circus, and he sees the strong man, and they have that conversation afterwards, and he's like, ah, Superman's talking to the strong man, and he's like, you know, always afraid that people will be scared of me. And the guy's like, no, just get a costume. The more colorful, the better. Right. And you understand so much more about Superman after going through this book. Well, absolutely. That and the fact that, like, again, it's an homage to the original notion, uh, you know, of, of Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, who who basically thought that, like, yeah, they, they wanted the, the character to be colorful, like a strong man in a circus. Uh, in fact, in in the in the ends of each of those issues, I think there is actually some uh, uh, some talk about that particular portion of Superman's actual origin story, like right. how he was created. Even then, they had him in the ticket window. It's like, was that the ticket taker guy? But no, his posture was different, and his hair is different. Look, his hair is longer now. And it's like, this is why Superman gets away with the stuff that he does. Yes. 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 Uh, real quickly, I-, I wanted to also touch upon the fact that, like, because this is a book that's kind of a- aimed at all ages, but also it is very, very good for young younger children, the uh, kind of uh, growth that one of the particular characters goes through the Chuck Riggs character. Uh, Chuck Riggs uh, is the young kid whose uncle is a part of the clan and ends up being like basically the main bad guy in this particular, this particular story. But Chuck is kind of, uh, he's a vulnerable kid. He's one of those kids that could be led astray if he's not, you know, brought back on, on, on the path at some point. He almost is. (laughs) And, And, uh, but in, in his heart of hearts, you can see that the kids got good in him. The, the kids is not so far gone, uh, that he doesn't understand the consequences of his actions and does not want to be a genuinely good kid, which, I mean, I'm, I'm that type of person. I've always, I always think that kids are genuinely, I try to be optimistic and the kids are genuinely sweet, sweet They're They are. And, and it's, it's the influences of the environment that led the, lead them astray most of the time. Like, and so it, I thought it was incredibly powerful. This the journey that Chuck Riggs has in this particular story. Plus the fact that I just like saying Chuck Riggs sounds Chuck like somebody Riggs. from an eighties eighties action movie. Watch out for Chuck Riggs. 
He, See, I look at things like the bad end of the cow. Like, oh, you got the Chuck Roast, that's fine, but stay away from the Chuck Riggs. <laughs> Chuck Riggs is always in the arm wrestling competitions. He's one bad mother trucker. No, it's no, but it's, it's seriously though. Like, what do you guys think of that particular aspect of the book? Well, I think definitely early on when you first meet him, he's such a jerk. Like, he's racist. He's like, yeah, China girl, yeah, take this banana split. You know, so many, like, racist epitaphs and just, he's a total, you know, totally bad dude. And you can tell whenever he gets home and he's talking to his uncle where it comes from, for sure. But it's nice that they give that character depth. It's nice that they show him standing up to his uncle. It's nice they show that people can come back. They can be pulled back from that hatred and do the right thing. And even even with the adults in the story, I, I think of the family, the Lees, where originally the dad, like, he comes to be the new bacteriologist in town. But when the, the clan of the Fiery Cross comes to their home, there's a, a group of black men that pull up to help them deal with it. And he's like, no, no, get out of here. We don't want to associate with you. It's bad enough already. But he kind of shuns the, the African-American people that are there to help. And eventually, you know, even the dad grows to the point where, you know, He's finally respecting everybody near the end, and like, I don't know, it's just, I know it's simplistic, and I know it's kitty, and, but man, do I wish the world worked this way more. I don't think it, but uh, that's what I liked about it, too, because I think, you know, I mean, the, the themes maybe are simplistic, but I think that's just because the themes are so um, universal, but I think the way they dealt with it wasn't so simplistic. I'm thinking that, you know, in that second issue where, Tommy and Chuck are in that big argument, and Chuck's like, you know, my family's not evil. Uh, maybe, you know, I'm trying to work, figure this all out in my head, and maybe it's okay for people to want to live with people that are like them. And Tommy's like, you know, what are you talking about? That's that's crazy. And so you can see within Chuck this inner turmoil about, you know, what I'm being told at home or what I'm being told about my family versus what I'm learning, you know, how do I deal with all that, especially as a kid? And then what you talk about, uh, the, the father going through at the beginning of the book, he's, you know, we're moving to the city. Everyone needs to speak English and we can't use our Chinese names. We're going to use our English American names. And by the end of the book, the mother who's probably speaks the worst English She's speaking almost always in Chinese, and Roberta has gone back to her birth name, and they're they're not adapting. They're you know they're becoming comfortable in their own skin, while at the same time also comfortable in America and in, in, or in Metropolis. So it's I mean it's the immigrant story told yeah, very see, very nicely. I see where you're coming. And there is a lot of complexity to this book. There's a lot of nuance, and it deals with such. Like, such topics that are so high-charged. And it does in a way where, like, when you see the cop who's assigned to their house, you know, and he's, he falls asleep on the job, and then later on he's like, I've got you, Grand Dragon. Like, you, you see that kind of evil there, and you see these terrible things, but then you also see the Unity House. You know, it's like the, the bad joke with the rabbi and the priest and the minister, you know, all sitting together watching the baseball game. So th there are those elements of, of nuance and... and uh, it is really well done, but let's talk about one of the most important things of the book. How creepy is that kid that thinks Superman smells like cotton candy? 
And then at the end, he's like, he smells like demon babies. Like, I don't know what he exactly says, but it's like the worst thing ever. He smells yeah. like brimstone. And I'm like, really? You just said he smelled like cotton candy. Why? Because he can fly oh, I, lo- I love that little running joke. He, he smells like cotton candy. Okay, you need to stop now. Yeah. yeah, he shows up at the baseball game and he has cotton candy in his hand. And he's like, he smells like ashes. <laughs> <laughs> no but but that's the thing this book has so many like little nuances and and flavors to it and and layers i think that's that's the wonderful thing about it like i oftentimes think when i get to a really good comic book that i really really enjoy it's kind of like i don't know a really good pizza in which like you got the sauce and you got the cheese and you got the crust and you got the toppings and they're and again, layers. And so, and for those folks that are maybe like sitting there thinking like, well, you know, you're, you're talking a lot about like the, the kind of some social themes that are brought up in this book. It's still a good Superman story. If you're just a comic book fan and you like Superman, guess what? There are some really great Superman moments in there. Like there is a fantastic moment, which is like picture perfect for the relationship between Superman and Lois Lane, where Superman at the end, he comes down at the baseball game to kind of save the day and he's flying for the first time and everybody's in in like you know cowering in terror from the guy that can fly except for lois who's still looking up at him and for me that little moment where he's like that's when i knew man that's when i knew it was lois she's gonna be she was the right one for me I don't know. It, it, again, as somebody that's just been a Superman fan that knows about the Superman mythology, there's those great, great moments in here. I love the fact that at the beginning of the book, he's fighting Adam Man. Adam Man is from the second Superman movie serial that was released in the late 1940s. It was actually, I guess, Lex Luthor. They called him Luthor in it, but that's Adam Man. Like, he put on the same big steel mask. You, I think it used to be able, you used to be able to watch it on that dc online service uh both of those uh serials i don't know if they're on hbo max now but if you have an opportunity to check those out another nice little plug to the superman mythology with this thing we'll be right back with more last comic shop right after these messages we've got our grade ratings for this particular book and so stay tuned for that Hey everybody, this is Nerd Bomber here, one of the co-hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our weekly podcast started as a way for three friends to keep in touch and discuss their passion for movies, gaming, technology, and entertainment. And since then, we've grown into a fantastic online community. Every Wednesday, we release a new episode discussing the latest nerdy news, and then we go hands-on with our weekly adventures and a fun trivia show. Sound interesting? Check us out on every podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or hit us up at onlinewarriorspodcast.com. Hello, Radio World. This is K-Double here to let you know about KD5P, K-Double's fifth period music class, a bi-weekly music show here on the 4 Aces Presents Radio Network, where every other Friday night at 8, I take you on a musical journey through the careers of some of your favorite musical artists. So check me out on Spreaker.com backslash 4 Aces Presents Radio or on iHeartRadio every other Friday at 8 p.m. on Revolving Door Episodes. Peace. KD5P. And we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our rating of this particular book. And I'm sure 
that based on our kind of gush, gush everywhere uh, initial thoughts, it's probably not going to be hard to, to figure out what we're going to grade this particular book. But uh, as always on this show, we like to do it on a one out of four scale. And we like to change it up a little bit every single week. So, J.A., what is our scale for this week? Okay, so the scale this week is tall buildings. <laughs> uh, four tall buildings. that you have Tall to buildings leaped? In a single bound. I wish you would have gone with uh, locomotives. That would have been an easier sound effect to edit in. Tall buildings. Whew. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get Chad, since it, his, it was his book... How many uh, tall buildings are you leaping, Chad? I was going to say, and you could use the sound effect like they do in that one double-page spread, just leap, and there goes Superman with two kids under each, or a kid under each arm, leaping Whoa, over the river. It's adorable. It's adorable. It is adorable. And that's what I love about this book. I think this book has something for everybody, whether it's the old-timey fans. Like I commented to Andy when, before we were recording where, I thought this was right up his alley because it had that Fleischer cartoon Superman. Um, also, if you look at the art style from the Guruhuru, it's a little bit anime, a little bit manga, uh, but not so much that if you're not a manga guy, you're turned off by it. Um, I think it's really accessible just just by fans, old and new. I love the story. We talked about this before. I, I think it hits on all the levels, and it's a wonderful book to share. I, I wouldn't hesitate you know, giving this to a teenager, uh, or even maybe a little bit younger, uh, and saying, here, you want to get to know Superman? Check out Superman Smashes the Clan. So it is four tall buildings left. Man, a steal for me on this one. Very good. Uh, J.A., your, uh, your tall buildings? Yeah, i got to agree with Chad. He's, le- he's leaping over four of them at the speed of a, uh, of a locomotive. So it's stronger than a locomotive, faster yeah, it's than the a speed of the speeding bullet, or faster than a speeding yes, bullet. I would, I would recommend it to people who are big Superman fans because it's a, it's not like an Elseworlds Superman, but it's you know it's it's Superman how you might not have seen him or thought of him in a long time. You can recommend it to someone who doesn't know a lot about comic books because it's approachable and you don't need to have this knowledge of of you know the whole mythology of superman to get into it and it's not long it's just three issues it's a really well paced well packaged story it reminds me of the old comic books that i used to read growing up as a kid when you could tell a story in two or three issues and you didn't need 20 issues or of five pages of action to get something done there well, you go. Extended issues. It's a 230 or 225 page story. The, 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 the issues are like 80 pages a piece. But hey, I get what you're saying, old timer. I'm with you on that. I I, I agree that uh, this this is a four out of four tall buildings left, and I'm talking tall tall buildings. Uh, this is probably the best Superman story that I've read since All-Star Superman. I can honestly say that. If you've never read Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley's uh, All-Star Superman, I would highly recommend that book. But uh, it, it kind of, again, for me, 
not only touched upon those aspects of Superman that I really, really like when you start talking about his vulnerability, because that's really the only thing that you can say about Superman. He can do anything, so you have to focus on other things. And in this particular book, the notion that Superman has to find himself, that he is scared of himself and scared of being an alien and and, and that he'll be jeered and rejected and not accepted by those people that he loves that's extremely extremely powerful and when you tie it in to the say that those same feelings are shared by so many folks throughout the world but especially here in america and have been for so long it really tugs at your heart and and makes for a meaningful and, and just a powerful story, and so I, I can't recommend this book enough. Uh, if you have, if you're, if you're eight years old, if you're eighty years old, pick up Superman Smashes the Clan, especially now after some of the year that we've had. And I don't want to get too political, but after the year we've had, you need some sign, of, some some rays of sunshine here. You need to be able to feel like people are coming together a little bit and 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 accepting each other for for who they really are. Uh, th- that that's 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 at least how I feel. And uh, speaking of uh, that, uh, let's go ahead and jump into recommendations. As always on the last comic shop, we like to give you other books that you can check out today by going to your local comic book shop. As always on this particular program, we often do a um, similar book. We do a current book and one out of left field, but we're going to kind of chuck that out the window today and give you three great Superman books. Yeah, they could be current. Yeah, they could be similar. Yeah, they could be out of left field, but they're all Superman books. So they've got a kind of little bit of a a theme. And we're going to go ahead and start with uh, J.A., who's uh, got a really good Superman story for us. J.A.? My recommendation is coming out, not from left field, but a field in the Ukraine where (laughs) Superman has landed. It is Superman Red Sun, the three-issue 2003 limited series by Mark Millar with art by Dave Johnson and Andrew Robinson. And in this three-part series, it posits what happened if when Superman crashed to Earth, instead of landing in Kansas, he landed in the Soviet Union. And was raised communist. Wow. And, and it, it, it is kind of a really interesting book from that perspective in regards to, like, they kind of go through, like, the entire history of, like, again, what would happen if he, like, lands there and how it would impact America. Like, Lex Luthor becomes, like, I don't know, does he become president in that? that Because he has to fight against the, the threat? I think of- he, he, he becomes president and then they... Their descendants end up marrying and intermarrying, and then yeah, with it's, it's weird. It gets a bit, it gets weird, but it's 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 a nice little. If you like Elseworld stories, if you like the idea that you know what would happen if if you kind of like Soviet quiche and and you like uh, that sort of thing, it it checks all those boxes. It was made into an animated movie that I think came out just last year, and probably if you still got that HBO Max subscription from uh, when you signed up to watch the Wonder World Wonder Woman movie. Uh, I think you can access it on HBO Max. So that yes. is my recommendation. Uh, Chad, what is your recommendation for this week? 
So whereas Superman smashes the clan as an all-in-one, you don't need anything else to understand it, there's no continuity, a lot of people like their Superman instead bumping up against the heroes of the DC Universe and the, the universe proper. They like that aspect. So for them, might I recommend Superman Up in the Sky, which was the adaptation. It was by Tom King. Uh, and Andy Kubert, uh, they did this originally, it came out in the Walmart $5 issues, and they collected it in issues the next year. I think it started in 2018. 2019, they did the issues. Uh, 2020, they released the collected edition. So you can still find this in your local comic shops. But there's a, a little girl who's uh, kidnapped by aliens, and then Superman basically goes through time and space to, to bring this girl back. But you see him uh, have a race with the Flash. You see him, Andy Kubert is the son of uh, famous uh, comic book artist Joe Kubert, who is famous for his um, Sergeant Rock. And so mm -hmm. there's an issue with Sergeant Rock uh, in there. And it's just, it's a beautiful homage. Um, and whereas it's, it's sort of like that Tom King niche where he's outside of continuity, it's still a celebration of the DC universe. So it's a little bit more tied in to the other stuff. If you love comics... I equate it to the equal but opposite of uh, Superman Smashes the Clan, Whereas that that book is all Superman on his own. This is Superman mixed into all the other stuff about DC that makes him fun. But it was it was collected in six issues. It's tons of fun. I definitely recommend it. Okay. Well, I'm going to kind of bring it back for the last recommendation, back to another Superman Elseworlds project. Uh, uh, story and uh, this one is called Superman War of the Worlds and uh, it is a book that was originally released back in 1998 it was written by Roy Thomas the uh, uh, legendary Roy Thomas and uh, drawn by Michael Lark and uh, it is very very similar in the fact that it deals with a Superman that is from that golden age uh, the year is 1938, and mild-mannered Hadeseed reporter Clark Kent comes to Metropolis trying to work for that daily newspaper, The Daily Star. But little does he know that he has a secret. He doesn't understand why, though. He can outrun steam trains and lift heavy stuff, and his elderly parents told him to keep it a secret. Very similar to the book that we, told, we talked about on this particular program. The only problem is... Uh, instead of him fighting the clan, he has to pit his newly found strength and powers against Martian invaders. And so, again, it, it kind of mashes up the uh, War of the Worlds radio broadcast, not the original H.G. Wells novel, but the radio broadcast that was made very uh, popular uh, by Orson Welles in the, in the, in the 1930s. And, uh, for, for real life scared and jumping out of buildings because they right, thought they it, would really happen. Exactly. And uh, so it, it deals with Superman basically fighting the Martian invaders, which is kind of interesting because it's like an alien versus an alien. But the reason why I recommend this book, not only because it's got that golden age Superman look to it, but the main reason that I really, really love this book is this is a Superman that has real weakness, real limits. In fact, I have often said that this particular book is for anybody that wanted to see how Superman 
would be portrayed in the Marvel Universe. I've always said it like that. Uh, Roy Thomas, as you know, was a big Marvel writer. As you know, the characters in the Marvel Universe are filled with foibles and disadvantages. Not every hero was perfect. And the drama comes not from external fights, but internal ones. And this is what you get in this Superman story. Superman can't fly. He isn't like invulnerable to the point where like nothing can kill him. In fact, I won't lie. I'll give away the ending of the story. Superman dies at the end. He dies of exhaustion from fighting the Martian hordes day after day after day in defending earth. And, 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 and in this book, you get a, a Superman that doesn't know his own strength, that has never learned to be Superman, but yet still stands up against these alien invaders and saves the, the planet. So, Again, if you can find it, uh, you can get it either in its original trade, uh, Superman War of the Worlds, or you can recently get it in a, in a, a new trade that, really, uh, that was released by DC recently called, I think it's Superman Elseworlds Volume 1. It's got a lot of other really great stories in there, like what if Superman was in the Civil War, and there's another one called Distant Fires, which was drawn by Gil Kane uh, with um, Howard... Uh, Chaikin's uh, writing, which is interesting too. So uh, definitely check out that book if you have a chance. The reason why he died is because he didn't have Muhammad Ali fighting with him. That's right. What were the the aliens, the scrubs? I don't. I think that Tom King book too. Oh, that that up in the air book. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're popular. Those scrubs, they're all over the place. Everybody but TLC. And uh, that's it for The Last Comic Shop this week. I hope you enjoyed our broadcast as always. And make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast at uh, any of those variety of podcatching platforms that you can find by just going out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Not only can you find all of those fantastic services that you can get our podcast on, but you can also get our merch Fantastic t-shirts and mugs and all kinds of great stuff. Masks for all of uh, you and your loved ones. As well as making sure that you can sign up for any of our um, uh, social media. Whether it's on Twitter or Instagram. And we definitely highly recommend that you check us out on there. We've got daily uh, posts like, you know, this uh, month in the history of comics. And all kinds of wonderful stuff daily on comics. So check us out. Check us out often. And don't forget, while we may be that post-apocalyptic podcast about the last comic shop, chances are good there are still comic shops around in your area. So if you need to find one, check the Comic Shop Locator at www.comicshoplocator.com where you can find a shop near you and support those fine folks out there that are keeping this industry afloat and making it so that we have new cool stuff to read here in the future. Okay. And again, until next week, folks, stay safe, stay sheltered, and above all, make sure you stay hopeful, because isn't that what Superman's all about? Brought to you by Puck, the Sunshine Cereal. (laughs) P-E-P-PAP!
the last comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.